segued beautifully with all your presentation on the imaging, and that was phenomenal. So let me invite um, John Martin. Uh, let's see who else is on our panel. Al Sinousis, you're going to be moderating this. Michael Jonah, you're here. Uh, Robert von Boxstorm, Bart Seegers, Quentin Pankhurst, Mike Clement, John Forrest, and Maurice Bookbinder, are you still here? Great. And we're going to have uh, Anthony Mather is going to come and uh, present as a case example uh, the BioMagScar program, <clears throat> and then we'll have a discussion. Great. Thank you very much for that introduction. So um, I think in the interests of the time of day and um, time we've got left, we'll turn this into a quiz. So the test that we're putting before you is whether you're able to apply all that you've learned from the lectures today about the regulatory pathways to what we're going to do next in this project. And it's a genuine question because, uh, quite frankly, we're not sure what we do next. So what I want to do is just give you the concept of what we're doing, show you the components of it, and then ask the panel to try and solve um, our dilemma. So we've got quite a complex um, title. Al's already given you lots of nice pictures and slides about uh, what it is we're doing. Um, so the BioMagScar project is about a biodegradable magnetic stent uh, for coronary artery luminal regeneration. Um, and it involves several partners basically around an academic endeavor with SMEs. And in a way, that gives us a tremendous amount of flexibility uh, and novelty, but creates a whole load of new problems because I sort of feel like the four-year-old attending the university lecture based on what I've heard today in that it's very difficult for me as a clinician to understand um, how we turn this into something that we can um, apply to man based on several issues. The problem that the project was trying to address was uh, the observation that the, the concept of bioabsorbable stents are great, um, that we could do with another iteration on the current uh, stent technology we have in the form of drug-eluting metallic stents, although we take, I take the point, and it was discussed last year, that obviously drug-eluting stents do a pretty good job as it is. And actually, in the conventional theme, as we discussed with Krishna earlier, just trying to produce um, a new concept up against what's required in the stent world um, sets you in a stent uh, proof of concept theme rather than actually di discussing the new concept and what it might do. So a stent, um, the current stent technology, we've got issues with stent thrombosis, we've got the, the dual antiplatelet question, um, and we've got the issue of restenosis. And the, all the therapies that we've put out there to try and uh, overcome this has sort of plateaued. There haven't been any major new breakthroughs in the field for some time. Um, the drawbacks that we've got um, are sort of trying to be overcome with new drugs, new coatings, new stent platforms, the same old iterations that we've had before. The drug-eluting balloons still lack the performance of stents. And as I intimated earlier, I think we're all drawn to the concept of having the bioabsorbable scaffolds, which are great conceptually, but don't seem to have quite got there clinically uh, for all sorts of reasons. So this project was basically put together as an academic consortium also involving uh, two SMEs, which was part of a, an application to the EU FP7 program, which was a way for uh, academics and small, uh, small companies to gain funding throughout Europe, funding of what, as an academic, one would consider a substantial amount of money. This was six million euros, but in the grand scheme of what we've heard today is probably uh, pittance. 
Um, and the concept is the following. So we've got our coronary artery, or, or indeed an artery um, anywhere in the body, because actually the call that we answered was about developing a new um, technology to deliver cell therapy uh, to, um, the, to the body. The concept is of a biodegradable stent, so we've heard about that already, but this one is magnetizable and allows us to deliver, to deliver in this particular example, um, cell therapy in an attempt to recreate the endothelium as quickly as possible and perhaps deal with one of the current shortcomings that biodegradable stents and uh, metallic stents have in the ability for the artery to heal over the stent itself, potentially preventing restenosis um, and thrombosis. But we further augmented that by adding a gene therapy side to the project too. So on the gene therapy side, we've got a new concept about around the neuropylin 1 uh, gene, which again promotes various aspects of vascular healing to um, get the concept that we're trying to heal the artery as quickly as possible and then take away the tool that we did it as quickly as possible. So again, what we're trying to do is reconstruct the biological environment using multiple techniques. But as you can see, and as the quiz is heading to, we're heading for a bit of a train crash with the regulators as to how on earth we're going to get this through, any aspects of it. There's also a strategic view, because the project's great. We're sparking ideas. Al's invented God knows how many new things along the way. And the opportunity to develop these further are great, albeit we are a relatively small organization trying to do this. There are new imaging devices being developed. There are new concepts and bioreactors. There's a new stent coating. There are new iron um, magnetizable particles. There's a whole cell therapy side, which um, unfortunately Ian's gone, but we did take him to task about how the MHRA have actually destroyed some of our hopes to do cell therapy from an academic organization uh, in the UK. Uh, and really that's what this quiz is all about, um, how we're going to solve it. Again, from a funding perspective, from an academic perspective, this looks incredibly attractive, the ability to compete with our colleagues in Europe um, for funds. These projects come out on an annual basis. Uh, six million is, I guess, one of the smaller pots of funding that um, we could do. But the whole aim of the EU FP7 program, which is now extinct, it's now the Horizons program, is to promote um, business within the uh, European community um, and in particular to encourage uh, the development of SMEs uh, and their projects. So the consortium I've described, the consortium brings together all sorts of different elements, whether it's the clinical trial, the imaging aspect, the gene therapy from the now defunct dark therapeutics, uh, the animal models in the University of Eastern Finland, Yoram um, as project management, Magnus intellectual property, property in and around the stent, and as you've heard earlier on today, Qualimed, the, the small German company that is able to produce um, or has been able to produce our uh, magnesium-based biodegradable stent um, off uh, essentially a, a design very quickly uh, within the period of time. So the new problem that we've got is what are we going to do about regulatory approval? The first question is, is it going to be easier to do this in the States or do we stick to the, the European uh, community and which committees do we approach? The fundamental question is, is the product the sum total of its components? So is this really a case of us producing the stent um, with its adenoviral coating, with its magnetic nanoparticles, and with its ability to attract an ATIMT, an advanced uh, therapeutic investigational uh, medicinal product, um, and just take that as the final product that needs its toxicology and regulatory approval? 
Or do we take the components and go through toxicology on all the components, we go to the committee that deals with ATIMS, we deal with devices separately and the rest, and then bring it all together at the end. So there's the quiz, uh, I think. The components are the stent, so we've started from a design. We've got um, a magnesium-based alloy, so it's not been used in man before. So obviously there's issues about does the stent need testing by itself in an animal model? Um, but given that the stent is a, a component of this rather large project, do we not just wait till the end when we've got our final project and put that through the animal model and do the histology and the like? We've got the coating now. At the moment, we've gone for a PLLA coating, which is, is nothing new. But within it is the magnetization side. So we have a new type of iron nanoparticle, as Al has mentioned, that, again, hasn't been used in man before. We've got cell therapy, which, of course, is, is used in, in man. And this is about attracting um, CD133 type cells to the stent to try and promote uh, endothelialization. We've got the whole gene therapy issue, so we've now worked out how we can also attach our adenoviral uh, transporter uh, within the coating so we can apply it to the stent. Although we've, I don't know if it's shrewdly, but we've split the project to deal with the cell therapy magnetization side um, separately from the gene therapy side for the reasons that we think combining a cell therapy with a gene therapy at this moment in time will just blow everyone's heads off when it comes to, to try and discuss this from a regulatory perspective. But you can see we've been given carte blanche to design a fantastic concept. There's all sorts of disagreement or agreement as to uh, where it's all going and whether it was actually needed. But it's there. There's lots of spin-offs coming from it. Um, each individual component, have we got a new biodegradable stent? Have we got a new idea of um, magnetization? We've certainly got a hypermagnetic, hypermagnetic particle that's, that's new and newly developed. Cell therapy, slightly old hat, and also using... Um, CD133 stents to basically deal with um, uh, healing within stents is something that's sort of been out there before. The gene therapy, in particular the type of gene we've used, um, is novel, um, and also its application in the coronary artery is novel. Um, and finally, its application, as I said, this is a, uh, a biological therapy devices delivery system and although we've chosen the coronary artery and the prevention of restenosis and stent thrombosis as the target, um, its application is um, in, in other areas too. I have got more slides, but I think I've said enough about the problem we're heading into, uh, and I'd be keen to hear how everyone thinks we're going to solve this. And the next slide's the solution then, or...? <laughs> You're the solution. <laughs> I think this is a, a wonderful for most a fantastic device. Um, can you elaborate on what the primary mode of action is? So the primary, well, it's a combination of things. So firstly, it's using the conventional concepts behind a stent to get rid of the, the narrowing. The actual target population are those that are either high risk of restenosis or stent thrombosis or have proven to have done so already. Um, the, the stent is there to act as a scaffold to get rid of, of what's there already. Um, the attraction of the cells is to basically promote healing, to basically, uh, I, I guess, cover up the stent with respect to any immune responses or any other platelet-derived responses that we'd want, so re-endothelialization. Um, we've got the gene therapy aspect, which again is there to prevent smooth muscle hyperplasia, to decrease platelet reactivity. We've got biodegradation as well which in combination with the, stem, with the stem cells and also the gene therapy is an attempt to allow the vessel to become 
um, well, to re-establish its physiological properties, to be able to dilate again, which obviously a metallic stent doesn't potentially allow one to do because it's a fixed scaffold. So this is all really there is a, in an attempt to promote, uh, I guess, an innate healing process that perhaps goes on in metal stents already, but to accentuate it such that we will decrease restenosis and stent thrombosis. So, uh, Can I just add something uh, about that? Uh, I, I think that there are, two, there are two projects, really. There's the stem cell de delivered on a biodegradable stem by magnetism, and there is gene therapy. In both situations, we're hoping to achieve biological radial force after the stem is gone. Mm -hmm. Utterly novel co concept. And that's done by increasing psychic GMP and AMP in the smooth muscle cells through delivery of agents from the endothelium. So, so the, que the question is, is it still medical device? Yeah, that's going to be the tricky one here. Who's I mean, you, when you start with the top, then, and look, listening to what the primary mode of action is, you first got reaction, yeah, medical device. But then there are so many other additional things that will be claimed uh, that are novel, that... Uh, Anyway, you, you will have to go to a, if it is a medical device, to a notified body that needs to consult with, well, uh, I would say at least EMA. Um, but there is no regulation for this. This is so novel, these therapies. I mean, you, if you look into the, there's, there, there's something written in the advanced therapy uh, 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 regulations, but we need to look into whether that fits this description also. So. It's, it's, it's very interesting, but uh, I'd like to pick up some books and go and do some study, but uh, <laughs> I don't have an answer yet. But I, w I would think you have an, a novel stent right design, so you're going to have to do radial strength testing to make sure there's not fracture over whatever duration that you expect it to remain. You have a novel coating, so you have to make sure that doesn't promote stent thrombosis, acute stent thrombosis. So you'll have to do some toxicity uh, studies on that. Um, the, I think, I guess Victor Zhao did some of that stuff with uh, promoting CD, I guess 30, there were 34 positive um, cells, and that didn't really work out in terms of endothelialization, but this is a little different. And then you have the question of whether or not um, the magnetization with the promoting the cell uh, growth in combination with a, a gene therapy, what that interaction is. So it, you know, it, it, it's not overwhelming, but it's, well, it is overwhelming, but it's, um, it's, it's a lot of work. I think what we were wondering was if you, if you get to the, the if you try and break it down into not its, its basic components, but start to put it together, if you combine the stent with the PLLA coating with the magnetizable particles, then is that the first thing that you do your toxicology on? Yeah. Um, and then you treat the next bit, whether you go gene therapy, cell therapy, combination therapy, uh, as a separate issue. I would, I would go with the stent, the, you know, do the stent, the coating, and the magnetization first. As a product. As a product. Yes. And um, and then and then I would add these other concepts on one by one as you get a feel for how it works. I, I agree, especially if you're if you're thinking that the magnetization is going to help you endothelialize quicker. That you there have a novel 
device in of itself where you're saying, look, I can put this stent in and is this going to give me benefit that I can uh, take the patients off antiplatelet agents sooner, et cetera. It's a, it's a novel design from there. It allows you to grow from it if that's not as successful, but certainly you, I think you want to make sure from, from the beginning that your initial platform that you're building upon is going to be equivalent of what's out there. Maybe you'll find something that's better, but if it's if it's there's a problem with the stent itself, stents these days are so good that if there's a problem with all these novel things, it'll. They're really can, there's, there's one other thing, which is the biodegradation. You're going to need to think about the biodistribution mm -hmm. because you've got iron platinum, like you say, never been used before. So where does the platinum go? What happens with with the iron and the platinum when it mixes with the magnesium as it degrades? Absolutely. Where are the biodegradation studies, you, you know, and long term as well? Right. And you're going to have to see how that when you deliver it, how the and if you look at any of the other stents, there's there's some removal of the polymer as you deliver it. So if you're counting on delivery of, you know, either the magnesium, which I guess is it within the polymer, or is it? Within the stent, the stent's magnesium. Okay. So, if you were counting on the gene delivery as an example, which would be attached to the polymer, you'd have to see how that worked, and you'd have to see, you know, at, if you come to acute angles, how that, what the drug distribution is, overlapping stent, what the drug distributions were. I think it's a combination of the PLLA and PLGA, and the the particles are on. Uh, can be put on a polymer that's retained and and sort of so you can selectively biodegrade components of it uh, at different time time. But you have a novel polymer, and, and you've got a, you've got a very curious result, I thought haven't you? Not because because you make the, the polymer coating thicker and it degrades faster. So no, 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 it, it degrades slower, slower. So the the, the so, thicker okay. struts that has the thinner polymer. No, no, but you would, although you were increasing the, the thickness of the coating. Uh, no, the, the strut thickness. Oh, okay. So that compromises the polymer coating. So if you, one comment. if you went to the FDA with this product, I can tell you they would first congratulate you because you have established the most complex device that we have ever seen. <laughs> so the FDA would clearly see this as a multi-component product, okay? So you would need to go through the whole safety studies for each component, mm -hmm. I can tell you right away. The European authorities may see it different, but as we're working actually on a revision of, of, of what we'll be doing in the future, I think it's very complex. What I can tell you, you have to start easy. The best thing that you can do, just a personal recommendation, is try to do a good feasibility study and show what the device is intended to do, and then get a patent on it and try to sell it. This is my recommendation. Yeah, and build, build your company on that. Build uh, a product with small steps, <coughs> and like, like what my colleagues here say, uh, uh, build it up. Don't, don't do everything at once because it will be very difficult to... You're going to learn a lot. Uh, you're going to learn a lot by, by building it up. And if you do it all at once, you don't know what effect is caused by which... Uh, okay, can I, can I put a contrary suggestion? If we take one of the two, one of the two projects, just take the, the stem cells, mm -hmm. uh, which we hope will cause re-endothelialization. Uh, uh, and, and therefore give, give us uh, an antithrombotic effect, anti-smooth muscle effect, and the stent will go. Why don't we just put that in a pig to show efficacy and toxicology in one big pig experiment where, where we, we look to, to make sure that the vessel is open, we do long-term, short-term pigs, we look at the histology, and then we take that to the EMA 
and we say, look, this works, toxicology is good, can we go into do human experimentation? What, what about that approach? You can only go with a device that you have tested into human experiments. Right. So if you can prove that you improve endothelialization by doing scanning electron microscopy, for example, that, that'll fine. But this product had far more. So, you know, it is a, you cannot just assess that or assume that based on um, just testing a few components that you can go ahead with the entire device. So Plus the struts on this are relatively thick. So the delivery of this is going to be limited. Um, in terms of where you can go with it. So before I did any, I mean, I would try to see what, how it works in a, in a human, you know, uh, with, without investing too much up front and see if I have to make changes to the strut thickness or other things first before I started putting stem cells on it. Because you may have to change the design of that. You know, uh, that kind of strut thickness is going to be not... It's not that easy to deliver. I mean, I think uh, if you talk to people who put in the uh, BVS stent, even that, you know, although it can be put in a lot of places, it's not necessarily as easy as the, uh, you know, the second stage uh, DES stents. I think the biodegradable, imageable biodegradable stent has merit in itself in that you could make a decision about when to stop, you know, multi antiplatelet therapy based on sort of... Well, you don't know that. You don't know no, that. No, you don't Nobody's know that. ever done that to prove that, so you don't know that. This is, this is sort of like a NASA, like the space pro project. You know, they, invented, they invented Velcro, right? Out of that. And, uh, but Anthony, well, I think one thing which is very extraordinary here is that this has received six million pounds of taxpayers, well, six million euros of taxpayers' money. And I'm sure that the reason that this was funded over and above all other projects that could have been funded with that same money was because of this fantastic novel translation pathway. But there's a, there's a mismatch between that funding sort of excitement and the reality about what it takes to get it to, to, to market. And I think that, that it opens up a whole question about uh, the way that uh, uh, translational research is funded. Now, on the contrary, Quentin, what we need in translational research are new exciting ideas. Going back to well, my, uh, yeah, my yeah, original presentation well, this morning. Is fine, but and, and, and the, can, can I just finish my, can I finish my paragraph? Your paragraph, yes. And, 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 <laughs> and I think what is necessary here is to get the idea as far as possible and then get commercial people to take it forward, perhaps into three, four, or five different products that will come out of it. Spinoffs. Yeah. Absolutely. But, but did you sell it that way when you, when you got the money? Did you say no, you were and, and therein lies the issue. It, as you're alluding to, this is, is one hell of a, a project, and nobody quite knows how we're going to solve any of it. And it could take us quite a long time just talking to people to try and get there. Along the way, we're discovering new things, new stem platform, new alloy, new coating, and all the rest of it. So it could be that the get out is that actually the success of this project is that we've commercialized or gone down pathways that have taken the components and actually done something with them. But again, for an academic group who's committed to this grant that's producing the NASA project type thing, you know, where does that leave us? Do we go for the, and it's not an easy option, obviously, trying to commercialize a stem. So, so there's an absolute dichotomy in what you've just said. You said you're doing blue skies research, which is going in many directions, which is fine. But you're also wanting to, to advice about how you can bring it all together into one package, which 
No, no, I'm saying from a regulatory perspective, we were talking about how we do it. I'm saying obviously our options. Exactly, exactly. But so the question is, even if you break it down into components, you can't underestimate. You know, that's not going to be easy. You're competing in a bioabsorbable stent market, of which there are what 12, 13, I don't know how many other manufacturers are out there doing it. Whether it's coatings, there are enough coatings and all the rest of it out there. So in a way trying to take the easy exit out and just choosing components that you want to exploit and go off down different pathways, um, I think is not the right thing to do. I think that probably of interest to next year's meetings to see where we got to over the last year, to stick with the big uh, project and uh, let you guys know what, what we find out based on your advice. But it sounds like we should go to Europe and not to the States to try yeah, and... Yeah, uh, sounds okay. And to go back to, to Quentin's question as well, challenging question, uh, in the uh, peer review the anonymous peer review from the European Commission, this scored objectively 13.5 out of 15 on all the, the seven different parameters out that they do. So the question I and, had and I, I, Sorry, we've got to accept the peer review. But, but did you present this as Blue Skies research, which was going to go in a whole lot of different areas, or did you present it as a product that was going to go to market? We, we presented this as a device to go into a coronary artery. Yes. We said it, may, it might have it might have application to other hollow structures uh, as so, well. So, do you think perhaps that the, the chief executive of the MHRA was not on the peer review panel? What do you mean? Well, what I mean is, would you have got thirteen point five out of fifteen had there been a regulator uh, reviewing this and, and looking at it from the from the proposal point? I think that's an irrelevant question. You're typically not aware. <laughs> Thankfully. I think what, the, what this framework is, stands for is that you establish these networks and you come yes. up with a genius idea mm -hmm. and you establish prototypes and then yeah. it's never meant for funding. I can tell you just the magnesium, just to give you an idea, yeah. because we've worked, for example, with a biotronic program, just the magnesium backbone alone will cost you at least 10 million to get yeah. established. So the EU is, is very much aware that it's not feasible, but I think this is a fantastic idea and you should go for feasibility. Show mm -hmm. what you try to show. Yeah. Where, where are you on IP? We, we, we have IP that, that uh, is strong and that covers uh, the biodegradability associated with the magnetism and with other uh, associated events around it. So there is correlation between all the several yeah, elements? Yeah, yeah. That, that's right. Okay. And we are, we are generating a lot of new IP, as you can imagine. You know, the, the, the group sitting around the table going through this is sparking off all sorts of stuff to do with Im imaging and Filters. components. So there's, it's a question of trying to control the amount of IP that we're, we're producing. Exactly. <laughs> so have, have you guys thought about, instead of going to the coronary first, where a lot of really bad things can theoretically happen, to going to the periphery? Um, just as an example, something that comes, like if you had CLI, if you, if you use this in CLI where they were going to get their leg amputated or get this, you could learn a lot of stuff putting it in those vessels, and the bar is really low. So, you know, that might be a, a faster way to get some of the initial information on it. Yeah, that's it. Rather than going to the coronaries, and then you could continue to develop that because. If you start where the bar is really low, like CLI, you know, it might be a much easier thing to get approved. 
Mm -hmm. so I think there's also an application of these uh, magnetic particles to attract stem cells into an infarct for post-infarct repair. <laughs> right, but I'm, I'm just saying, like, getting it approved so that you could get some revenue stream and attract mm -hmm. another company to come in to help you, working on something where there's a low bar, like CLI, might be a good starting place, yeah. and then go to do all these fantastic things. Well, that's, that's a very good comment, because as academics, we're interested in our business model. You know, we're utter amateurs at making a business model. But our approach is to try and retain it as long as possible, to build as much value with us before we give it away. Because and, we know that BBS has already gone to CLI. They have CLI projects now. Uh, you know, it's not a secret. It's, so, you sure? It, yeah, I'm pretty okay. sure of that. <laughs> um, Maybe they kill you. <laughs> not here, uh, but um, I know they're doing some projects on that. So I'm, I, I'm wondering if you might, you know, you go out there, you commercialize this, you attract some somebody like. Uh, maybe Abbott or maybe Biotronic or somebody else. And then you can, you have the, the strategic funding to do these other fantastic things and spin them off. Hmm. So I think in summary what we're saying is uh, Europe uh, and not the US, stick with the whole package, the big concept and go for it, but perhaps take your first in man to peripheral vascular disease, not the coronary artery. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and, and consider the device alone as part of the first commercialization and do a preclinical feasibility study so that you really, before you go in man, otherwise you will have bad awakening when you have poor right, results in man, you know, mm. if it's degrading too fast. So, uh. Good. <laughs> All sorted then. <laughs> but, 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 but I think that was a really interesting debate about the problems of the future. You know, this, this, is, this, this is the problems we were trying to discuss, Alexandra, in, in, in this meeting, not the small increment with uh, a stent that has a little bit different strut design, uh, but we're thinking radically different, and there are going to be enormous problems.